How you doing, Brett? Doing this all right, great, brother. Yourself, great, great. What's uh, what's new? Oh, huh. I guess I have a, a big announcement for a new job coming up soon. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, that's great. When are you going to be able to talk about that? Uh, so I actually sit down with them Friday to do kind of like the final final checks and stuff. I officially get started on, I think, the 12th of September. So probably mm -hmm. shortly after that will be, you know, the official announcement and excitement that comes with all of that. Oh, congrats, Ernord. I'll make sure I get you uh, get you some flour out. Actually, vapes. You like vapes. I do. Some vapes out there. <laughs> Yeah, let's give a give a few minutes for people to log on here and kick it off. If everyone um, can kind of give us a heads up on where you're logging in from, if you can go in the Q and A, just post in what city you're down in from, which company you're with, your favorite strain. Post your LinkedIn's man, like post your LinkedIn, post LinkedIn. Yeah. add each other, like get to know each other, interact, yeah, have some exactly. fun. There are people I recognize coming in already. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, that's Dr. Ketterhagen. Gorda, huh? Nice. That's my buddy, Don. He's great. Blue-green dispensary to Pelo, Missouri, huh? Nice. Right on. And I believe you can use the you can use the chat functionality as well. So if you want to ask us questions, engage with us, be sure to use the Q&A or the chat functionality. We'll uh, Mississippi, not Missouri. Oh, Mississippi. Man. All right. I guess we got to brush up on our uh, state codes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let's. Uh, I'll just kick it off here. I'll welcome everyone to the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast. We cover the most effective marketing trends and strategies to grow your cannabis brand, delivery service, or dispensary. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo, and today we're discussing uh, a great topic with Brett Puffinger: how to la how your lack of differentiation impacts cannabis marketing performance. So you want to fizzle or sizzle or shizzle with Snoop, whatever you, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> uh, Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, the last time we did this, it was a great time. So I figured why not do it again? Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Before we kick it off today, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, MediaGel. Uh, MediaGel is the leading cannabis marketing platform helping cannabis brands reach consumers through their compliant ad network with real-time reporting and analytics dashboard and conversion tracking. Uh, so with that being said, let's uh, let's kick it off. So Brett, you know, given your background, uh, you know, what is a unique differentiator and why does every business need one to succeed? So a unique differentiator is something that makes you stand out amongst the crowd right like we all know the age-old uh, uh yeah. du dualities of branding right coke versus pepsi or whatever we all know they're kind of the same they're both brown colas they're both heavily sold what makes them a little bit different is it price point is it packaging is it the, the target audience you're talking to is it 
you know, the style of your customer service, it can be a pretty broad set of things. But the the kind of key piece is it's the thing that makes you different. Why are you and your competitor not exactly the same? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Brett, what makes you different than everyone else in the in the PR game and you know cannabis? What makes me different? Oh man. Yeah. What makes you special? Yeah. <laughs> Since we're talking about differentiators. You know, I, I think the it's pretty safe to say that the cannabis industry is split kind of down the middle and most people have to draw a, a battle line in the sand, right? Are you legacy or are you yeah. corporate? Are you the big boys or the little guys? Are you mom and pop or are you, you know, big hedge fund money? Um, I think I'm somewhere right in the middle, right? Like if you look at me, if you, if you hang out with me, if you spend an afternoon in my day-to-day life, I'm probably a lot more like the guys from Humboldt than I am the guys in the boardroom in New York or Washington, D.C., but if you take all that away and you look at my resume, it probably doesn't look that different than the corporate guys. And I think that that future you know, middle ground is probably where we're all going to end up. So I guess if I had to toot my own horn a little bit, my unique differentiator is I might be a little bit ahead of the curve on melding those two successfully. Love it. Yeah, I would say I'm right there with you. Grow, growing up in Santa Rosa, weed was, you know, weed and hip hop then went to, uh, you know, tech and, you know, got a little good mix of everything. They don't have to be mutually exclusive anymore, right? Exactly. Like... Exactly. As far as, you know, a brand, how does a unique selling point, you know, propel customer loyalty, brand recognition, and, and drive sales? <laughs> so it does a couple of different things, right? Um in order for someone to be loyal to something, they have to be able to attach themselves to it. And I think most unique differentiators fall into a category like that, right? We are uh, veteran focused. We're veterans growing weed for veterans. That's a, a crew automatically, right? Or um, outside of the cannabis world, you know, probably the greatest example of it was FUBU, right? Literally the name means for us, by us. Like it is for a group, from a group designed to meet the needs of that group because they are that group, right? You are your customer. So I think that's probably the biggest one. I also think it it just lets people see a difference. And sometimes novelty is an incredibly powerful factor. And I, I think a really good mainstream example of that is, uh, what is it, death water or whatever, right? It's It's just water. It's just water in a can but they branded it like a a heavy metal band or a a beer company, right? They got punk rock bands to do viral videos about how cool this water is. They did giveaways and art contests and they marketed like a beer company, right? Like it was something cool. It's just freaking water. (laughs) That's that big differentiator, right? They kind of looked at it. Another one using water that I really loved was Fred water right? A black belt in hydration. They turned water into a person. Those are unique differentiators because at the end of the day, nobody gives a crap about all of those fancy words you put on the back, you know, nano infused spring water from class, whatever. Okay. Yeah, Tell me exactly. like what makes Come you on. different. Yeah. Because at the end yeah. of the day, both of them are going to make you hydrated, right? If we're talking back to weed, both of them are going to get you high right? We can't really accurately gauge which one's going to do it because half the labels don't have the right information to know and yada, yada, yada. So you pick on preference, right? You buy something that's similar to you. You buy buy from a company that represents your 
beliefs, your lifestyle, your interests, your tastes. That's how, right? It, it directly speaks from you to your audience. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know on the branding side, I'm sure I remember that quote, but it was uh, branding is like the promise you make to your customer, right? It's the how you how you're going to make them feel or how they're going to feel when they use your product or how do they feel when you're, you're participating in an event that you're throwing or an experience that you're involved in. Uh, my thing with that is I've always, I've always looked at good brand marketing or like good brand differentiator marketing as treating it like you're in on a secret, right? Like yeah. I just want you to be part of my exclusive club. I want you to be part of this secret I'm in on. Like, welcome to this little world because we're humans are innately joiners right we are communal by nature we want to feel like what we're participating in gives us some level of community whether it's church or the shoes we buy or the brands we buy weed from we want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves and that's a huge part of how you differentiate your brand right that's a huge part of building repeat customers, or the biggest one is everybody knows word of mouth crushes it, right? We can talk all kinds of fancy marketing techniques all day long. The ROI of times you've seen it before you buy my thing from every other channel is light years less than if your boy tells you to go buy it, you're, you're a hundred, literally probably a hundred times more likely to check it out. Right. And then we start getting into additional brand differentiators that create return customers, right? So it's like, oh, the packaging stood out to them or the the lifestyle choice they're representing stood out to you. It got you in the door. The quality and customer service kept you, right? Like, and I used an example of this to praise a pretty large MSO a couple of months ago uh, or a couple of weeks ago. I get texts from my large corporate MSO delivery guy and he uses emojis and LOL. And he talks to me like a human being. It is so much, (laughs) it is damn near like texting the plug back in the day, right? Like I can literally be like, hey dude, like change up the order, like broccoli to gas tank or whatever. And they get it. And it's, that's unique. That to me in and of itself is a unique differentiator. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of big companies that don't do marketing. The number one one I can think of is probably what Tesla Right. Like Tesla's, you know, they, you know, cut all their marketing and they just put cars on the moon, you know, or put them in the, you know, they do viral marketing and they have a a leader who doesn't give a fuck about anything. Right. So, (laughs) but they built a, Uh, they built a following, right. A Tesla is a community. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's like we all remember the Jeep wave, right? Now yeah. it's the Tesla hands-free drive-by because our cars self-drive, right? It's this new, it's all the same stuff. It's just re reigniting that, right? Like yeah. you're in a little, you're in a club with Tesla people. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you're a football player or an accountant. We're Tesla people. We're part of this like group. Movement. Yeah. 
Yeah, I say that because uh, I know there's a cookies opening it up two blocks from my place here. You know, they definitely have that cult following, and there's some other companies in the industry that have that following, right? <laughs> I mean, they set the mold. They make yeah. more selling lifestyle apparel than they actually do cannabis. They're a lifestyle brand that happens to sell cannabis. Yeah. And that works right now. I can go to Foot Locker or Zoomies and buy a cookies hoodie or a stizzy pair of sweatpants or like yeah. something like that. That's reached way beyond what cannabis companies are or were, I guess, capable of prior to their, you know, activation, if you will. Yeah. And it's it's crushing it, right? It is. <laughs> It is. I mean, landed a burner on the you know cover of Forbes, first cannabis person, and you know, sucks that it said marijuana meltdown on there. But you know, <laughs> what can you do? It's the that's the facts. <laughs> take the win, take the wins with the losses, man. At least you know most people focused on his uh, his face being on the cover, not what the headline said. Anyways, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, as far as product differentiating, how does that affect competition in? you know, in this industry? So I think it, it affects competition in a couple of ways. Uh, I think if we look at it at face value, product differentiation affects direct competition, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit cheaper, but I have the same quality. Oh, cool. I'm going to buy that, right? Or I a big one I see is effects-based marketing versus strain-based marketing versus whatever we call the grouping of indicates to keep a hybrid marketing, right? Like each one of those is going to trigger a different consumer mindset. Like I'm that guy who's going to buy the product whose terpene label I can read top to bottom three times over, right? You might not be that guy. You might be that guy that buys off of whatever. It's bright colored and it says 28% THC in giant letters on the front, whatever, right? you have to pick that niche and that can differentiate you. So yeah. that's, that's kind of part of it, right? Like uh, I think another piece as far as like product quality to price range is understanding the fit between your branding and your price point, right? Nobody wants to go buy cheap weed and gorgeous packaging. Nobody wants to buy high-end weed in a plain white bag that says weed. Right. Like uh, you kind of have to to match that. And I, I just saw a video this morning that I actually laid that out really, really well. Pay less shoes, you know, like the cheap shoe store. They put a fake store in the mall called Paliasse or something like a very Frenchified version of Payless. Same shoes, invited all of these influencers, charged $600 for $50 shoes. And then they told the influencers afterwards, and you could see that effect on margin right there, an 1800% markup because of nothing more than the brand they put above the door of the place, right? It's the same shoes. It's the same, that, that's the power of a unique, a unique differentiator or a brand positioning point or understanding a specific target market. Yeah, and I like the I mean exclusivity play, right? Be, being the VIP or be in the in the crew and all that. Like that's the supreme model, right? And like it's they're doing product drops. They're, you know, cannabis is doing the same thing. They're doing product drops, right? They're doing partnerships, they're doing little, you know, celebrity drops here and there. So yeah, I mean it keeps it it keeps it uh I don't know. I guess for me on the consumer side, it makes me feel special. 
right? I think that's the power of what I, I guess I would call those uh, micro activations, right? Yep. But if we take our, if we take our, you know, our consumer hat off and we put our, let's break that down for marketing sake hat on for a second, yeah. micro activations are probably the greatest tool in a marketer's toolbox. We all know the saying, nine out of 10 things in marketing don't work. All we do is try all 10 until we figure out the one that works. We keep using it until it stops working and then we do it all over again, right? Because we don't know. We can we can make educated guesses, but there's no science on every video is going to go viral or every product is going to sell out. But you can A, B test that with micro activations, right? Or you should, you know, where's the brand positioning? What, what color palette do we think will attract people? Those little, those little bursts, of releases and exclusivity can give you a ridiculous amount of feedback and knowledge to slightly edit or change or move down the path. And I think that's an incredibly powerful tool. I agree. I agree. Uh, will you explain a little bit of the difference between horizontal, vertical, and mixed differentiation? Like, I'm interested to know about this. I have no idea what. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Vertical vertical differentiation is where you kind of use uh, very objective measurements to determine whether a product is a, the right fit, right? Price or quality level. It's where we look at, well, I'm going to buy the 21% THC over the 19% THC. It's very uh, linear in that way, right? It's pretty, pretty obvious that you're doing a, a very short pro-con list. Horizontal differentiation is when it's a lot more subjective, right? It's based on feel or appeal or that whole um, mm-hmm. that whole thing we talk about in, in the sales world of people buy on emotion. They do. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, those two things can be overcome and they're, they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive, right? They should actually probably match. Like if I'm a low quality brand or not low quality, but you know, bargain basement, right? We all know uh bottom shelf whiskey that tastes great but they still market like bottom shelf whiskey right like we can yeah. do the same things in cannabis you have to you have to match those up and you have to make sure that your differentiators are covered on both right you need to be different in both ways and they have to kind of work in tandem to make sense yeah yeah the um the filling is, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I buy is, well, number one, I'll, I want to make sure it's clean for my body. So, you know, I'll do some research on that to see the the ethics behind it. And then, you know, a lot of the companies don't have a face or someone that's leading. There's no person behind the company. So it's um, it's mostly just a product. But the ones that they do have an owner, like I'd be definitely following them on social, definitely engaging with them. And it's, yeah, like you said, you feel like you're part of the community, right? And I think you can that's actually a, talk to them, right? And get ask questions, right? And get I feedback. think that's a big thing we're seeing kind of evolve in cannabis, right? So like in the in the mainstream world, some of the biggest brands in the world, you mentioned Tesla, right? Everybody thinks Elon Musk as soon as you say Tesla, right? Yep. It's it's immediate. Everybody, every time you say Apple, you immediately think Steve Jobs. Every time you say Microsoft, you immediately think Bill Gates, right? Or yep. Amazon, Jeff Bezos. These are huge looming figures who have infused a little bit of themselves in every inch of that company, right? Yeah. And 
in cannabis, we're seeing it with burner, right? Yep. They go together. Like nobody in the world can picture somebody else at the helm of cookies. Could it happen one day? Of course that, that, you know, like humans only live so long brands live forever. If you do it right, like that's the goal, right? Eventually that will get handed over, but nobody can imagine that same thing with playboy right nobody could imagine playboy without hugh hefner nobody could imagine you know tesla without elon musk that's a huge part of building a cohesive brand voice right uh yeah walt disney is another one right if you yeah. if you look up the the corporate structure of disney or how they do things the imagineering department has like a three story high set of walt disney's rules Disney movies that they see when they walk in the door every day to work. Well, Disney's been dead for a long freaking time. His kids aren't <laughs> even in control of the company yet. That is infused, right? And it's not just because his name's on the door, right? It's not just because it's the Walt Disney Company. It's it's more than that. And I think that's an incredibly important thing. And I, I think it also speaks to a thing I see a lot of cannabis companies do wrong in this is they over sanitize their copy for social media. For yeah. This thing. It's like, you can tell that this was put through a committee. It's very stale and boring. They're even through no... legal five times and they just crossed yeah. out everything, right. everything cool like, and personal about it. <laughs> there's no, there's no heart to it. You want to see a really great example of that in the real world. Wendy's Twitter is off the chain. We all know it, right? They're the cool yeah. edge Twitter people that roast. That should be a little bit more of what we see in the cannabis world, right? There's a, there are a couple of brands that do it really well. Obviously, Cookies does Raw it really papers. well. Raw papers. I know he does a good job. Dude, his are great. Uh, Jungle Boys does it really well. Um yeah. There's, there's a, a lot more. Yeah. That's a big piece of the equation, right? Make it feel like human beings. Make it feel like it's a company made up of people. And this kind of goes back to the, a little bit of what we were just talking about, the, you know, the, the leadership sets this kind of tone for things. But it's also recruiting the right people that speak the language, that do the, the things. Like, eventually you have this culture that is organically grown, that is made up of all these people sanitizing the branding gets really old, right? Yeah. Like we've all seen in the last couple of months, like the, the MSO charts, right? Where it's like MSO main company in the middle and 50 different brands that they own. Or we've also seen uh, recently, I just saw this in a headline a couple of days ago, one cannabis company is suing another cannabis company because their logo looks the same. And it's like the names are the same. And it's like, if we go into most, large markets on the east coast right because like california colorado washington oregon those places have so many brands and so many things that's its own world but if we if we get into the more corporate side of the house right the the floridas the pennsylvanias of the world if i took a bunch of the the low level brands like not their main you know flagship brands right but if i took some of the their other house brands yeah. and jumbled them up you couldn't pick whose was whose. There's no cohesion there. There's no, uh, there's no touch of what started the whole thing, right? Even if you look at the big brands, a lot of them are lacking in that 
you know, je ne sais quoi, or whatever you want to call it, that is humanity, right? It, it feels like you're being marketed to, and nobody freaking likes that. Marketing shouldn't feel like marketing. Marketing should feel like it's your own freaking decision when you get to the end of the day. And that's where brand differentiators come into play, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I react very differently when, you know, another veteran texts me like, hey, I'm also a veteran, bro. Have you considered our service? That's a very different pitch in my world than if it's some random person, right? And that's, it's just how human brains work, right? And that's a huge part of this, like these, this, this stale, boring corporate speak and these very like focus group heavy brands, they're not taking a stand and therefore they're not breeding loyalty because loyalty comes with standing on your own, right? It comes with differentiation and it doesn't have to be a small one, right? Like sport teams are a great example of like, <laughs> a really good example, actually. We all know the guy that says we, when their sports team loses, we lost. No, we didn't. You ate Cheetos, these really highly trained athletes won or lost a game, right? Yeah. That's what we're trying to build with all differentiators, all branding, all marketing is, is you want them to think of a we, right? We are part of this movement. And I, you know, to give props where props is due, uh, I think truly even their truly movement has been really powerful in Florida, right? Like they made people part of it, right? Just like we had believers for Justin Bieber or fan groups. I don't know how seriously people take it. But it's become shorthand for like I'm a weed person, right? And that's cool. It's a little uh, less on the nose than big pot leaf t-shirts. There's nothing wrong with that. I wear them all the time. But it, it, it lets people be in on the secret, right? Like, oh, I know what that is. I remember wearing one of them one time. They did a big veterans thing back in the early days in Florida. And the cashier at the Publix I was at, like, gave me a wink. And he's like, you shop there too, bro? Like, he knew, right? <laughs> that that's a, a thing. And I still remember that guy. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, some of these founders and, and personalities and how they infused themselves in, you know, companies like Apple and Disney and Tesla and so on. Is how do you bring life to a brand personality like what creative team do you need to have in place to to get that message across <sighs> so <laughs> i'm probably going to give a different answer than most people would uh, i don't think the creative team matters as much as the ability of the creative team to listen and your ability to communicate right so yeah i alluded to this in my post promoting this earlier today. We've all heard the same pitch, right? We care about people of color, social equity, veterans, the LGBT community, home grow, right? Every cannabis company cares about those. Those are very worthy things. I support those causes as well. Like, good on you. That's not making you different, right? Yeah. Like that is not unique. That cannot be your value proposition. What makes you unique, and I'll, I'll use an example of a friend's company, uh, Davina from Elephant Apothic, right? Their formulations that came from her family that her uncle worked on, who was a veteran that helped his life and helped with her family members' lives. And that 
is a unique differentiator, right? Or like the cookie story, right? Like I'm just a rapper. I'm trying to, you know, live that trap life and now it's legal. I'm going to make that switch. Let's do it, right? We see it in all of the different major brands, right? And we see it in a lot of other brands. Those are how you infuse it, right? And the creative team needs to be able to understand how to ask those questions. Because at the end of the day, designing the logo, writing some cool copy with some alliteration or some you know, rhymes or something, every marketing company could do that, right? For better or worse. It's all gonna come down to how well you can communicate your own things. So like, if you're gonna hire a service for it, if you're gonna go out and build one, remember to infuse a little bit of you. Don't be all, don't try to think of it ahead of time. Don't give me your mission statement. Don't give me your tagline. Don't, don't give me anything. Come with an open mind and speak from the heart with your creative team. Give me the real story, right? Like drop the bullshit, grab a joint and a cup of coffee and we will extract it if we're good at it, right? Like we will catch those things. That's what you should be looking for. It should be that vibe, right? Um, and I know that's a little bit of an ethereal answer, but I also think it, it, it rings true because creative services at their core may have science behind them, but they are inherently artistic by nature. Yeah, maybe make it a prerequisite if you want to work as a creative agency in cannabis, you got to consume a little bit and have a little happy hour time with us. And then we'll put the, uh, we'll get put, We'll, we, we'll get outside the boardroom, right? Let's uh, let's go to the bar. Let's go to a lounge. Let's you know go out at night. That's when you the best deals happen, anyways, right? And it's I mean it, it sounds like too, you know, right? So yeah, it sounds like you're looking for an excuse to party, but what you're really looking for is <laughs> to break the shell, right? Like yeah. if, if you're gonna be, uh, if you're gonna be the next whatever cookies, right? you need to infuse you in all of it. You need to build the thing that is you because nobody can keep up a persona like that. Like nobody can, it's impossible. And if they can, they've got millions of dollars and a team of PR people and social media. You don't got that. I don't care how big you are in the weed world. You're not JLo, right? Make it or yourself. What's, what's his name from uh, Advanced uh, Nutrients? He's probably one of the only ones, right? Oh yeah, I guess that's Big true. Mike, Big Mike, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Now I guess, yeah, when I'm thinking of these uh you know, these leaders in the cannabis space and yeah, just different personalities that kind of, you know, we've seen seen it all. I remember um God, what's the what's his name? Uh Garen Angel from from uh that company that Magical Butter. There you oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. And he, he infused the hell out of that company with his personality and the tour bus and and everything. Like that was him, you know, <laughs> to oh, the T. You know, at the end of the day, <laughs> people buy from people. The closer your company can be to a person, the better. Right. It sounds a little reductive, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. And experiences are a way to do that. Um, you know, what kind of experiences do you need to 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 put together for someone to become a part of a culture and experience? Like how do you leave an impression with someone Ooh. like that? So I think that can be big or small, 
right? Yeah. I think a lot of the times people probably look for the big wow moment, right? The viral video, that culture defining thing, the thing that becomes a meme or the top headline everywhere. That's all good and well, right? Yeah. I think it goes all the way down to the very bare bones core of it, right? Every bud tender who, by the way, is the most powerful person in your company. If you don't know that, get with the program, they're the front line of everything. And if they don't work for you and you're a wholesaler or something, you best get to training people how to represent your stuff well, right? And make that part of the purchase order. If you're going to buy stuff from us and stock it on your shelves, here's the planogram for my retail setup. Here's the way your bud tenders will be trained by our staff. We will bring in, like, get granular with it. But it comes down to one consultative sales, right? Are you hearing what the consumer wants and are you matching it accurately? Two, are you speaking the language of the product, right? Nobody likes saying, I need something that'll make me sleepy. And you start trying to go into this like age old education conversation. Drop it, man. Just get them the product in their hands and tell them like, this is, this is that one. Ask for this one next time. Something like that, right? Like, I also think it comes down to cannabis companies think they're competing with each other. They're not. They're competing with the black market just as much as they are. So the more convenient you can be, the closer you can be to a street deal without all the negatives, the better, right? Like going back to my example from G Leaf and the guy who texts me my deliveries. He texts me my deliveries, right? Like that's a real person on the other end who's actually texting me from a cell phone, like, that's convenient, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's that. And I guess the last piece of that is remember that not everybody wants the same experience. And if you yeah. try to do all of them, you're going to lose. You make 80% of your sales from 20% of your customers, delight yeah. that 20% and hope some of the rest stay, right? Like build, be specific, like jungle boys, is not marketing to grandmas in Florida, right? They know who they're marketing to. And will grandma shop there? Hell yeah. Product quality or something else will come back. But I'll use my my mother-in-law as an example, right? She loves one particular store there because it is tailored to her people. I, I won't shop there. I think it's boring and it's terrible and they talk too much to me about stuff and they don't have the menu in a way I understand. I would never shop there. She shops there. And when she goes there and I've gone with her, it's the boatload of other ladies in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, right? Like that company has their market figured out and they tailor to them, right? The same can be said for any of them. Aim to impress, please, and delight your specific group. And that's, that's, that's a, I don't know, that's it, right? Like that's the, that's the secret sauce for that one. That's the secret sauce. All right. All right. Uh, well, we have a message from Kara here. We're talking a lot about MSOs and large companies. How do small craft cultivators differentiate, differentiate their brands from the multi-state operators? What needs to happen to make a micro-business household <laughs> name? Have you seen this happen before in cannabis or the business world in general? All right. So good one. Uh, I'm going to try to tackle those kind of in order. So let me start with the end or the middle in first. Micro businesses should not try to be a household name because you are going to blow your budget on getting nowhere. You need to start trying to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? 
dominate your neighborhood, dominate your region, dominate your city, then move on. And that can, if you do it right, become part of your identity, right? These are the baddest mofos from Boston. Like they crushed it. Now they're coming to New York. Oh, crap, right? Let's be real here. That's what most California cannabis brands that have expanded did, right? Everybody wanted to play like the big boys from Humboldt or LA or whatever. Now those have brand power because all the people who bought it on the black market from diversion, eh, whatever, it happens. Those people grew demand for it somewhere else. And now they're coming in and they're the big boys from Cali who have come to play, right? Everybody in Florida is terrified of the jungle boys and the cookies of the world because they don't play by the rules that everybody else agreed to with their little gentleman's agreement of boring branding, <laughs> right? Like they're yeah. they're disruptive at their core. So yep. as a micro business, remember that, right? You're punching up at every time. You are the little guy. Everybody loves the David and Goliath story. Build on that. Dominate some little thing, right? The Only the real know about us. Now you have this cult following. There's a, a bazillion ways to kind of do that. So the, the short answer is take it steps at a time, right? Let the budget grow with that. Let the, the, the physical market size grow as that loyalty level increases. Uh, so that's kind of that part of it. I think there are examples of small scrappy startups in the business world in general that have come out and competed with the big boys, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. Most of those were much more well off than we think they were, right? Like we all heard the garage story of Amazon and Apple starting. Yeah, they might have started there. They also got, you know, $30 million from daddy or $25 million from their uncle or a $50 million infusion. That's yeah. not, that's not how that works in the modern world. Not starting right? from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. The other side of that is we are in uh, what I would call a, a meritocracy of content in a way that the world was never seen before. And that gives small brands a really big opportunity. So if you think about it, a hundred years ago, the only place you were getting news is the local newspaper and maybe the radio. If you think about it, 50 years ago, the only place you were getting the news is the TV, the radio, and the local newspaper. Now, you can have a TikTok video go viral tomorrow and become the biggest name in something. Now, you can start a blog today and chew up market space from someone all day, every day until you compete with them, right? Like. We have a democracy of information. So if you're putting out quality content consistently, regardless of what it is, and, and keywords here, quality content, meaning speaks to your specific target audience, has something to say, drives loyalty, all of the things we've been talking about, and you do it consistently, you can eventually compete. You just have to remember what weight class you're in at any given point. And if you are gonna punch above your weight class, make sure it's powerful. Right. Like, I hope that makes sense. Um, I would also like to point out that I'm a pretty uh, open critic of the MSOs pretty often. <laughs> and I think I've done that a couple of times here. I also think that the reason for that should be noted. They have the biggest opportunity for change. Right. Something I, I've thought about for a long time is truly has done more for putting weed in people's hands than almost anybody else. Does that make them ethical or moral or a company I want to work with? Probably not, but you cannot discount what they have done, 
And I, I think if we're really talking about this, if we can convince them to do all of these things, they might be an agent for good. So talking about them on the, that scale is important and relevant for the long-term health of the industry. And I also think it drives toward larger versions of this, right? As a small business, you can learn from their mistakes. You can learn from their successes. Let them try it and do it right or wrong. And you edit with you know a half-filled deck of cards before you ever drop a penny. Sorry to go off on a tangent for that one, but that was a, a multi-pronged <laughs> question. No, that's that was great. That was great. And um, you know, everyone is you know rooting for the underdogs too, right? They they want to see someone come from the gutter and and make it, right? Uh you know, we've seen it pretty much in every sport, in every business. Like it's they they love that story. Redemption, you know, starting from the bottom and uh inspiring others, right? <clears throat> As far as inspiring others on that note, so what can you do to inspire customers and increase the sense of loyalty? So I think we already kind of yeah, we... dug into this. Name it. Give them a name, right? Give them a sense of identity. Give them a way to differentiate themselves from the crowd to show that they are part of it and if you really want to, if you really, really want to look at, at something that I've used as an example or a, an inspiration before is the way churches market, right? Like the door-to-door -door thing, they know it's a 1% return on investment, but the ones they do get, they've got a personal connection. The second that person walks in the door, they recognize the person, they have an immediate friend there, the likelihood that they will stay part of the congregation is much greater, Right. So like when you're looking at all marketing to sales activities, regardless of how they are, you're looking at ratios of how many people know who I am, how many of those people are in my target market, how many of those people in my target market are in a position to buy, how soon are they trying to do it compared to what I want to go on. Right. It's a, a series of filters that you put them through. You get to change those filters based on what your desired thing is. Right. Maybe you want more people that generally fit your target market but aren't ready to buy because you have a thing coming up in six months and you're preparing for that launch, right? You're growing a mailing list. Maybe you have a sale this week and you only give a crap about that last group that's like ready to buy today, return customer. We'll filter the rest of it out, right? Get very granular. Uh, but naming it, giving it a, a, giving it a home, giving it some specifics, giving it some level of personal touch and then picking your ratios appropriately to get to that point is, you know, again, the secret sauce, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as far as everyone in the cannabis space, I mean, we talked about truly cookies, yeah, Jeter's like is who is really differentiating themselves in the space and doing it uh, successfully. Oh, so many companies. Yeah. I mean, like, so many companies fit a niche. And I think that's a, an important part, right? If you're a small business, pick a niche and stick to it. Don't try to compete with the big boys. Don't try to get vertical before you're ready, right? Dominate the extraction space. Dominate the cultivation space. Dominate the retail space, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of companies that fit different molds. 
right? Yeah. So if you want to talk like just absolutely crushing it on the culture thing, we got that, right? Cookies is dominating that world with, you know, a stizzy or something else kind of coming in second place and, and following along. And there's a few others. I think there's some other ones like um, we've mentioned all of them before throughout yeah. this that are they're kind of kicking ass. But there there are more, right? I think the guys that like um, bear lab. the audience. Who's the audience about. think? Uh, who, who do they like? Right? Yeah. Who do you guys like? Audience people. Who do you think is doing the best job of branding to your taste or just generally killing it? Yeah. We got some questions for Brandon while you're posting there. What small companies do you think are doing a good job of differentiation? Any specific strategies uh, you've seen work particularly well for a small brand? What small companies do you think are doing a good job of differentiating? So I think Element Apothic was a really good example that I used earlier of a, a smaller brand that is kind of crushing it. Um, I think there are a few like small niche brands up on the east coast that i think are kind of growing though we're in an odd phase where the small brands are so hyper localized it's really hard to talk about that like um i've said this before i, I don't think there's a cannabis industry i think there are 39 different ones so to yeah. really answer that question it would have to be market by market and then you'd have to keep in mind, like I'm an East Coast guy, right? I don't live on the West Coast. I'm not there all the time. I get the the macro trends, but I don't, I'm not there every day. Um, I will say like Florida, my home market, my original market that I started. And I think the Flowery has done a really good job of growing their footprint in the state, despite the big Cali boys coming in, despite the foothold, the original license holders have kind of built in the state. So I think they're a really good example of one if you can call consider them a small brand. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's see. We got Fidel's brands, Flower and Hashles or so on. That's and then we got Fernway Vapes is one from the audience as well. I don't know what a hash hole is, but I'm gonna Google that when we're done. I like that. That's a cool name, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so specific strategies that work for small brands. Um, I think we covered that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Focus small and local, right? Something um, something that I've seen recently that I think smaller localized brands have been doing successfully are mailer campaigns, especially in rec states, right? I know they sound kind of old school and, and crash coursey about it, but with modern tech and QR codes and, and you know, things like that, it's a lot less risky. It's a lot more trackable than it used to be. Uh, you know, a, a decent discount code can get them in the door the first time. And then it's on you customer service, right? Like delight that 20% that you hope stays. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like mistakes that people make when implementing a differentiation, differentiation strategy, what have you seen you know, as far as some common, common things that people are doing wrong? Wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of companies aren't honest with themselves. Um, I, I think they, one is that list of kind of five things we talked about earlier, right? Those are not unique differentiators anymore. Those are bare bones minimum. Every cannabis company does them. I get it. You love veterans. You love, you know, social equity. You like home grow. Congratulations. Why? 
Why do you like those things? What do you want to accomplish by noting those things? What makes you special? What is your connection? Are you a veteran? Are you from the LGBTQ community and that's why you care about it? Are you a person of color whose family member went to jail for we like give me a little more color to it, right? Like give me a little bit more um pizzazz. Give me that personal connection to it if you're really wanting to to not do that. Um, another one I think companies do really wrong all the time we already touched on is they get way, way too sterile, right? Like nobody wants to buy weed from somebody that's like, yes, we have cannabis. I have four form factors available for medical use. Buy my cannabis, right? Like that's, nobody's clicking on that on Instagram. Nobody's you know, excited about that email, make it fun, make it exciting, be a, back to the whole thing, be more like a person. Um, I think the, the last one I see that's done wrong is that companies do not match their differentiators up correctly. And we touched on that kind of at the very beginning, right? You have luxury packaging with cheap shit. You have cheap, you know, expensive stuff in crappy packaging. You have something that's supposed to be uplifting and dark blues and very, you know, like sleepy time imagery on it, or you, you don't give it, uh, don't give me something that doesn't make sense either. Right. I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine in marketing and he was talking about a, a company. We will call them, uh, you know, cottage, right. A company wanted to call themselves cottage, but they wanted like, military themed stuff on the packaging that doesn't make sense right like that doesn't add up make it make sense together right like put it all think about it linearly think about telling a story and, and i'll use a an example from a meme for this right like uh i can give you a pile of legos i can give you them in size order and color order and stack them or i can build you a house build the house right give me tell me a story take me on a journey we care about quality. Why do you care about quality? We're patients ourselves. We care about, you know, lowest price. Why do you care about lowest price? Our founder was homeless 15 years ago and blah, 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 and grew up poor in a 600 square foot house, whatever, right? Like, don't just tell me what you are. Tell me why you are those things in your in your storytelling, in your branding, in your marketing. Give me a little bit more. It's Well, it's the why that's going to move to the needle, right? Like it's I mean, we kind of we're, we're sounding like a broken record now, but it's you know it's really you need that authenticity, you need to be true to to who you are, you need self aware too. Look in the mirror, like who are you as a company, as a person, and don't go away from you know your identity, right? Like it's stay true true to who you are. So I saw an interesting question just pop up. Uh, what do I think about house brands? Yep. So <laughs> I think it depends on what you mean by that terminology, right? Um, do you mean the retailer has the, you know, the great value brand weed on their shelf that they brand with their own stuff that they buy from the wholesaler and, you know, whatever. It's just like the bottom basement. That could be a, a loss leader or an additional thing. It can be used for some fancy marketing stuff in terms of like, you know, buy these high-end products, get three pre-rolls free, stuff like that, I think is good. Um, if you mean house brands in the term of 
the branding strategy of branding and marketing agencies taking equity chunks out of up and coming brands to build the brand out and, and then manage those brands from like a house of brands kind of standard. Uh, I think that's going to dominate the landscape in the next couple of months, right? Like, I, I think that's really starting to take off in the cannabis space. Um, uh, so either way, I think they, they serve a purpose, either version of that terminology you're looking for. Um, I think those purposes are vastly different. Uh, and I also think to go to the second one a little bit, if you're talking house of brand style, Everybody loves the Avengers. Everybody loves crossovers. Everybody loves, you know, collabs and co-features and things like that. I think the house of brands model is the best way to do that, <laughs> right? Like, uh, it's a it's a really it's a really simple way to consolidate messaging or cross promote or grow total addressable market of an individual brand based on brand association. Um, so I hope that helped. All right, we only have uh, about five more minutes here. So if anyone has any questions, be sure to ask them now so we have some time for you. I'm looking at our right. question prompts. Yeah, yeah, well, I feel like we're in jeopardy waiting for the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one you've got highlighted right there. Um, don't be afraid to pivot, right? Like, let me say that your brand story, your brand differentiators can mm -hmm. morph over time. Uh, and let me say very clearly, hard shifts, overnight changes are difficult to manage. They are difficult to pull off. Um, give yourself a timeline to do it. Make small steps to to line up with things like uh you know maybe soften up the colors on the logo and then change the logo entirely to that new softer color or something uh, you know that's a, a terrible example because logos are incredibly difficult to switch over if they're ingrained in your brain but make small pivots right like um make small changes it, it all goes back to the public is pretty easy to forget they are also easy. They're pretty easy to, to forget the bad you do. They're pretty easy to forget what you used to be based on what you are now, but they are also easy to forget what you have become and they need to be constantly reminded, right? Human beings yeah. are just inherently not wired to think that way. It's, you know, what is important to me today? And that's not a bad thing. It just is a thing you need to plan for. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, any examples of good cause marketing stories from Lily? Ooh, uh, I think there are a bazillion good <laughs> cause marketing stories in cannabis, right? Um, Charlotte's Web being a huge one. They're a giant brand in the space based on yeah. cause marketing. Um, I think the Last Prisoner Project, uh, for better or worse, with all the kind of back-end stuff that they've got going on in the in the media world um, and questions swirling around them, their calls marketing was on point, right? Like, you want to get people out of jail for weed? Give us money, we'll do it, right? Like, very yeah. simple, very easy to understand. Um, I think Veterans Walk and Talk 
has done a really good job of calls marketing, right? Like one purpose, get veterans outside working, working out together in a way that they can do it, even if they're disabled and have them talk to each other, right? Build a community. Um, there's a ton, like literally cannabis is built for calls yes. marketing. We are built on advocacy and activism roots. We are created yeah. through a cause. Do it, right? But let's go back to the, it can't be those five right? Like those are a given. Yes. Those are part of your cause. Give me another one. Give me a couple more or tie me into one of those more specifically, right? It would be a good example of like what Weldon Angelos is doing with the freeing the prisoners, right? Like his story carries weight because he was one like, yeah, that's <laughs> that, right? So you can pick one of the five. I recommend not unless you can very clearly and directly tie yourself into one of those, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's see what we have here. All right. Yeah. Let's bless. Let's see. Well done. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, we, you know, we work with 40 tons. Um, I guess a selfish plug here. We, we have our own foundation as well uh, at MediaGel. And we're donating marketing funds to to push social impact brands. And that's how we're doing. It's like, here's some money, we'll get you out there, we'll, we'll, we'll get you to market and we'll drive revenue for you so that you have a, you know, just a foundation to, to kick off your brand, right? Because they don't have, I mean, a lot of these companies don't have money. Uh, it's, you know, fundraising right now is super dry, so. You know, good luck getting any money nowadays. I'll throw that one out there. A yeah. good story overcomes a good PR agency all day long. I'm yeah. a PR guy. I'll tell you straight up. <laughs> you will route my story out of the news every day if your story is truly touching or unique or novel, right? Like, yeah, people care about people. They care about having their heartstrings pulled. They care about good news and bad news and, you know give me some give me some of that right like that'll that'll take you really far without a penny having to be spent yeah. let's see if we have any more just to be saying well we can just we can wrap it up here um brett any you know, final words or advice uh, insights that you want to share with the audience you know i guess the, a final kind of parting thought is there's no such thing as doing it wrong if you're following your heart with building a brand, right? You are all worthy and useful people regardless of your position. Other people are just like you. Be authentic. And I don't mean that in that like ridiculous way we see it all the time. Be authentic. Be yourself. I'm, I mean it, right? Like if you're a person that likes to curse, build an edgy brand so you can be yourself right? Like if you're a person who's really into nature, focus on that, right? If you're a person who's really into their heritage, focus on that, like be unapologetically you and build the brand that suits that, right? And if you're working for somebody else's brand, get real comfortable with figuring out that thing, learn empathy, learn how to put yourself in their shoes, get to know the person a little bit, right? Like People only are capable of going all the way back to the beginning, keeping Disney's legacy alive 
because the people who work there are obsessed with it, right? Like the people who who run that department are yeah. basically like Disney historians. It's like that movie Ready Player One, where everybody, you know, the oasis and this guy may change the world forever, the richest man in the world. He passes away and they have a huge library dedicated to his whole life. Be that for the brand you're about to work for, right? Like learn the ins and outs of how they are. Yeah. And good exactly. luck. Exactly. Well, thank you, Brett, for you know taking the time to share share your knowledge and uh, you know, spit some game here today. Really My appreciate pleasure. it. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you to for all our attendees for joining us. You know, on Zoom, uh, on social, Facebook, Instagram, and beyond. Uh, LinkedIn, definitely one of our favorite platforms, cannabis friendly. So we'll keep uh, keep spreading the good word there. Uh, and you know, once again, this is the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast. You know, we cover marketing trends and strategies for growing your cannabis brand. Um, we do this every week, every Thursday at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. So, you know, be sure to to subscribe and, and log on next week, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers. <laughs>